Bienvenido, damas y caballeros. Welcome back to Freeform Radio on the Freeform Network. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Freeform Network. Send in those questions and suggestions, ffnquestions at gmail.com. But again, this is Freeform Radio. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Daniel. Got with us Noel. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And we got Andy. It's all good, Andy. We're here. We're, the whole gang made it back, so it's good to see everybody's back. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're back together doing this podcast. Got some interesting stuff to talk about. And the first one is this uh, Trump indictment. Andy, let me know because I got to admit, man, I've been on social media kind of quiet and I haven't really been on too much. So I don't know what the heck is going on. So fill us in on what you know, man. Man, I don't know neither, but they're. I think the recent one, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the uh, the mugshot where he got, actually got arrested. Right. So they, they're they saying that he, uh, let me see here, he tried to set up, this is the one for Atlanta. So there's a lot of them going on. Um, the one for Atlanta, that's, uh, it's like a local thing. And they're trying to figure out um, if um, no, they're trying to they're trying to set them up to uh, I feel to not get them to run, but I think they're they're trying to um, trying to make them look bad, like he didn't uh, like he was trying to overturn. the 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 election where he lost to Biden. Um, let me see here. Uh, they arrested him and a bunch of other people. Eighteen co-defendants, and they're saying it's uh, Georgia's twenty twenty election sub subversion case. That's what it is, and uh, it's basically state charges, not federal. Uh, it says this is an historic 41 count indictment handed up on Monday. Uh, so the people they arrested are pretty important people. Ex-Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani. Um, they, they gave the defendants. They had to turn in. Um, they call it. Dude, they're telling like some mob shit here. Like they're calling it a criminal enterprise. And I think they're, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to use like RICO statutes to try to, to set them up. Uh, for aim to or a criminal enterprise aimed at overturning the 2020 election, uh, the state's racketeer influence and corrupting organization at RICO. That's the big one where basically Trump is telling people what to do. <laughs> it's like some mob shit. It says, uh, constituting an ongoing organization whose members and associates function as continuing a unit for common purpose of achieving objectives of the enterprise. It's like some legal ease shit, but it's just amazing what they're doing to them. And I, the other one I read today, uh, they're they're gonna try to the next one since he's like he gets this one, then he gets the one in New York. Um, they're trying to every time they do to me, they just make some like damn, they really don't want this fucking guy to run. <laughs> so, and then. The next hurdle I was reading that they're going to, because he's under indictment and he's going to court, you know, that they're some states said they're not even going to uh, put his name on the ballot. 
So that's like a whole nother other fucking hurdle. Um, I don't know, man. It's just like this guy can't catch a break. Uh, well, not a break, but they're really going after him hard. I think after this, who knows what they with what they got Biden got up his sleeve? Because I mean, that famous quote Biden said he's gonna do everything in his power to make sure he doesn't run or become president again. Um, it's yeah. pretty like it's pretty messed up. I, I think it's like you said, it's a, a, a tactic to kind of put some of the stuff that he's being alleged of in the news and out front so that people could be a little more aware when they vote. Um, now, it's funny because uh, I lean more towards a Republican, but I'm not really a big Trump fan. But I've talked to some Trump supporters and they see this as a disgrace that the judicial system is taking it out on such a great president and blah 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 and then when i talk to some of my democrat family members they're just like this is an embarrassment because uh it's like the first time a president's been taken up on charges and blah 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 and so uh it's it's really polarizing uh for both sides here i don't disagree with if he did something wrong for him to be brought up on the charges now, is this coincidental that the nominations are starting to go through? You're starting to see uh, debates and, uh, you know, meet the press kind of stuff where uh, different candidates are, are debating? Uh, probably, but I think it's good for stuff like this to be brought to the front. Let's give it enough time for it to go through the motions and hopefully come uh, nomination time. People are well aware of all the wrongdoing or good doing or you know allegations and then they can make a judgment call on who they want to put up as their nominee yeah the other one is with the classified information at his house um that was another one he gets uh, some charges on that one and he gets the charges in new york another indictment i guess in new york and um yeah man this is we all know he's not perfect, but damn, man, like, <laughs> like this is pretty fucked up. Uh, it's almost like some third world, like, political shit, dude. Like, that's all that's left. They arrest him and they just throw him in jail. Um, and just like say, like, yeah, it, it's messed up. I, uh, well, I mean, if I it's true, then think... they they should put him in jail. So if if the stuff is true. Then they should prosecute him and he should be found yeah. liable for the stuff that he did. But in the same token, so should Democrat uh, presidents or nominations, because like those documents and ever since Trump got nailed with that, it came out that Biden, while he was vice president, they found a bunch of stuff while he's president, mm -hmm. his son, mm -hmm. um, Hillary, same thing. So it sounds like almost every president has a really shitty system where they just don't give a shit where these papers are at so i i think it's more of a common issue with a bunch of the presidents which isn't a good thing at all so does trump get put as the let's make an example out of him no i think everybody should be fine liable for you know breach of security you know there's a lot of you know secret stuff of the government that you don't want coming out and you're kind of just putting it on your dining room table for anybody to grab no, absolutely. Like I said, that that that's, but that's the problem. They everybody does it, and they're like hammering him. They're trying to make an example out of him because they don't want him 
to run because he knows he'll be the nomination. And I, I'm just uh, I think let's say he wins like I wonder if he's just gonna pardon himself <laughs> and then they're gonna be all hell breaking loose after that and then like Biden with what's going on with his son with the laptop from hell and all that and there's like all this stuff and they're they're doing their own investigation on that and um I don't know man I just I don't have much faith in, in in the government anymore when it comes to stuff like this because a lot of this stuff never been so much in your face like so they've never been so open about all this stuff it is um it's shocking uh to see what the hell is going on and uh and like i just feel like trump uh, they're picking on him i mean because he's not in that that good old with boys everything thing. that's going on with all different areas with the education system and how they're pushing for a certain agenda, all the genders and all this transitional stuff and LGBT stuff in people's faces, trying to normalize adult stuff with kids. Like it's things are getting perverse, man. This world, this country in general um, is getting to a point where like people just seem to be leaning towards this like evil route that the government is trying to make seem normal and the politicians getting away with the stuff they're getting away with the injustices that's going on in the cities and all the just the different laws are trying to pass to like limit our freedoms take away what we have it's just crazy man and it it's no surprise to me what they're doing to trump because it, there's definitely, it seems like there's an agenda right now. And there's all these distractions right now to keep us from really asking a lot of questions. But just just put it all together, man. Like the education system I just mentioned and what they're trying to do to our kids and indoctrinate them. The, the media, Hollywood, putting Satan in the forefront and just trying to make that normal. People doing concerts, you know, like worshiping Baphomet openly dressing up in like satanic garb doing these weird like ritualistic dances like they're trying to make this shit normal man it's like anybody could see that there's something going on we're pawns in this game that's going on and it's been going on for a long time well to me about the satanic stuff i if you do believe in freedom of speech and freedom of religion and all that then technically you should leave them to practice their religion as long as it's not harming anybody. You know, if they're doing sacrifices and stuff like that, then that's another thing. But if they're just worshiping the devil, then that's on them. Now, I don't agree with that. That is totally against my religion. I don't believe in, in that. But as far as the United States and governmental right, you have the right to believe and do what you want as long as you're not harming other people. So it's, it's kind of difficult to, you know, be against something when at the same time you want to try to respect that other people are different. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's funny you mentioned the devil worshiper. It just happened out here, like um, some suburb in, uh, in Chicago where they fired like the music teacher because they ended up finding out that uh, the music teacher was a devil worshiper and had all this like devil worshiper stuff on facebook like uh, videos and other stuff 
and the the parents found out and then they they right away went to the the district and they're just like hey you got to fire this guy this guy's playing music and he's teaching our kids and he's a devil worshiper so they fired the guy and i was kind of you know mixed i was just like yeah i i, I don't i wouldn't want that for my son to be there and possibly his beliefs influence what he's teaching uh but at the same time i do want to preserve his right to express himself and be the person that he is uh regardless if i believe in it or not i mean i, I guess it all depends because when we think of of like satanists what are we talking about here because is it do we, we don't know much about it i guess so is it evil to to be a satanist is that on par with like you know the other evils like murder you know rape pedophilia like is it on par with all that because if that's the case then we don't res- we don't allow that to have a space in in society in the public eye you know what i mean so I, that that's why it's like a gray area because we we don't know how to define it i guess right well i, I guess to me rape and uh, killing and stuff like that those are actions so those actions definitely should be judged based on those actions but to worship something that's just a person's personal beliefs and they necessarily don't have to coincide with an action uh, i just came from church and to me we, we we sing we we pray we have uh, a gospel and we talk about it so if that's what they're doing with you know obviously i'm presuming satan and that's all they're doing then all right go do that i don't believe in that but go do you uh as long as it doesn't go into something outside like if you said if they're going out and be like our religion tells us that we have to go rape people our religion tells us that we have to go kill people then that's when i have a problem well i mean i i guess yeah i don't know it, it it's a weird uh complicated topic for sure man hard yeah I, I think there's a lot of gray areas and a lot of places where uh, you know you, you hate to be judgy and preachy to other people you want to give them their their liberties and their rights um but yeah i, I i'm not sure I, I i'm not sure how we would go by in the future respecting that but at the same time kind of creating this limit like where it's okay that you do it up to here um but you know don't go too far don't don't take it to to the next extreme yeah i mean i i guess we'll have to see just how things develop with trump and but i don't know um with all like like i said all, all this stuff that's going on it's just it's not surprising to me that that it's happening it's just so much weird shit going on and it's it's crazy yeah going back to what you said then like the, the moderate uh the gray area that that's the problem that you allow the, the the gray area and it leads into some form of extremism and then there's only so much where people are, are willing to tolerate and that's why it gets all this craziness and and yeah i mean it is what it is and and, and the going back to the satan stuff like you said well it's uh uh it's kind of rough to me it's it's i mean we're person of faith or christian i mean it is bad (laughs) it's evil so 
you shouldn't really tolerate it but uh, like i get it we're in america and you gotta be somewhat tolerant of it and but when it starts getting into public uh, spaces especially like schools and government buildings and stuff it gets a gets a little crazy but uh let's go on to noel here uh you know we're talking about all this double stuff and halloween falls just around the corner tell us what what happened man Uh, you went to uh if I remember a haunted place and how was that experience? Did the, uh, did you get freaked out? Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I got freaked out, but I, we, we did have a legit experience. Um, and it was, man, it was an eye opener for sure. Um, I, I do believe that there for sure is something after this life. I can't say what that is. I, I'm not sure what, exactly that is but it seems like there is some form of consciousness um or residual energy uh, after this life um so yeah let me kind of give a little backstory to to how this all went about so maybe about a month two months ago uh my cousin asked me if uh, i would be willing to go with him and a couple friends to do this ghost investigation in peoria and immediately I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Like that was a bucket list item of mine is to, to do a ghost investigation. I grew up watching all these shows, ghost hunters, ghost adventures, etc. There's so many shows out there now and YouTube streamers, you know, and every now and again, I'll catch a, a YouTube streamer showing like an investigation. And I've seen enough videos to know that a lot of that stuff gets faked for views. And every now and again, you get some unexplainable real stuff. Now, with all those all those fake ones out there, it kind of makes it like, you know, the waters are, are muddy and it's kind of like hard to know which one is really real. So I always said to myself, I'm like, the only way to know for sure is to go through it, to have your own experience. So that's why I've always been on, on the it's been on the bucket list for a long time. Like, I got to do this. So when he brought it up, I'm like, let's definitely go. Um, and we were going to mix it in with like this whole trip. It was just going to be a weekend thing. We went out there. Uh, set, I woke up Saturday morning and took about a three-hour drive over there. We got there, I think it was like almost one in the afternoon. And this investigation wasn't going to start until like later on that night. And we get like this uh, tour, a backstory as to like the location and the history of it. And then, which is like maybe 35 to to an hour 35 minutes to an hour and then after that we have six hours of uninterrupted ghost investigation time so to kind of kill some time before then we went to go disc golfing which was really cool spot i think it's called a mcnaughton park um really cool area a lot of wooded area and then it's it's just in bufu land man it's it's not like super maintained but there is like some you know you could see like the the lawn and mm-hmm. stuff and the grass was kind of maintained on some level but there was also a lot of hilly areas and it's just like there's a creek there's water there's a pond it's really cool man if you ever get the chance to go out there and do some disc golf if you're into that was it just it. your group or was it some of the other uh haunted house people there with you guys no that was just uh so it was me and my cousin and only one of the two friends went um <laughs> one of them the other one got out. spooked yeah, yeah. oh man <laughs> It's because we kept telling, uh, well, not we, my cousin, 
he he loves to joke around, so he kept telling his friend, "He's like, gonna get possessed, man. You're gonna come back with the demon." And so he just like he got really like spooked, and he's like, "Nah, man, never mind. I don't wanna, I don't wanna bring anything back with me." And we were just joking with him, obviously, but uh, he's always been like the more um, skittish of the group, and so yeah, he he decided not to go this time. I think he will go next time. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it was just the three of us, me, my cousin, and one of our friends. Um, anyway, after after the disc golf, you know, we got we got our you know equipment situated. We had our home base at the hotel, and so we got our equipment situated, all the batteries packed, flashlights ready, chest and stuff. Then we headed out to the to the location. Uh, it was probably almost uh, seven o'clock by the time we went over there. Uh, got a little tour, and this place, it's um, built in 1902. It was a huge town like that's, like it was centered around this psychiatric hospital that was for not only people that are mentally ill, but also people that are, uh, you know, poor and destitute, just people that have nowhere else to go. It was kind of a shelter of sorts. So some of the people there were like just, just normal people in a tough situation, maybe because in that time there wasn't like a place for rehab. There wasn't a place for all these people that were just going through a tough time, the homeless and all that. So a lot of those people were also sick because of their living conditions because they were poor. So yeah. they, they I, were I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing some documentaries that even like uh, people who had uh, like Down syndrome and stuff like that. They would yep. put them in some of these psych boards. Yep. Anybody on the autism spectrum would be put in right. one of those kind of places. You just uh, all, all sorts of people going through a struggle. And um, so there, there was like a lot of sadness there. And when we went there, we went there with respect because we, we didn't want to go there and going into someone's home, essentially, and, and disrespect it. So um, after we got the little tour, we got the all the backstory all the history we were told you know a couple of keywords or key names and people that were like prominent there then they uh they gave us like just kind of the run of the land we got access to two buildings that are like two of six total buildings i believe um the main main one was actually torn down a couple years back it, it was shut down in 73 but they they kind of held like ownership of this land for you know many decades until they unfortunately they had a you know tear down that one and uh the two buildings they had left in their ownership they allowed us access to and there's uh four cemetery plots with over i think like twenty thousand graves or something like that or or, or wow. ten thousand graves yeah it, it's a lot for sure so in in these two spots that they give you, is it just you guys use three, or is it like bigger groups because it's a whole tour thing? Just us three, man. That's what was awesome about it. We wow. reserved, so it was like we we had the run of the place essentially. Um, they kind of just showed us so we could be safe. Like they showed us the route, how to get there, get back, and like what you know what to watch out for because this this is like. It's not I'm assuming really like a condemned building, yeah, where there's like yeah. shit falling apart. Now we did ask him ahead of time, like, "Hey, this is clean of asbestos." He's like, "Yep, yep, hundred percent clean. There's nothing in there that's gonna harm you." 
Um, it's just, you know, dusty and all that, but it's not anything. The asbestos was taken out decades ago and it's, it's safe to be in. Did you um, guys take masks anyways, or no, uh, I forgot my mask, unfortunately, but you know, I honestly, it was for the best dude. Um, one thing I didn't mention is this was on a day that was like 80 degrees and yeah. at night it dropped down to 70 something, but it, during the afternoon when we went there at like 7 PM for the tour, it, the sun was still out and it was so we could see obviously because we don't want to go in the dark yet um it was about 80 degrees man we were we were drenched in sweat bro wow. you have no idea how much we were sweating because th- this was meant to hold in heat like in the winters would be brutal and they didn't have like central systems you know so it's in 1902 so the the place is like expertly designed to hold heat and it held that fucking heat, bro. You went in there, and it felt like a sauna, man. As soon as you got in there, you felt that. And then you would be so grateful to be outside with the wind. So we, we did spend a considerable amount of time indoors. But we were like, uh, that definitely want to hit up every area. So let me kind of just get to the, the key moments where we got activity. I don't want to... Because it is obviously a, a lot. We were there for six hours. There's a lot of stuff that happened. But the key moments. Um, when we first got there, it was like maybe within the first 20 minutes, we went to this building that was uh, the ner- the patient's quarters. So it's where the patients, you know, were housed, where they lived, and just spent their day-to-day, you know, time there. There's uh, one of these chairs that have like the like the foot paddles and then it has like a, a spot for where like an armrest with a, a, a spot that locks your wrists you know for like the insane people that are like dangerous they'll lock them up kind of on this one of these chairs so my cousin is mel he sat down in this chair and he had an emf detector in his hand as he's sitting in it and he's asking questions and we're in the pitch black darkness we have flashlights but that's about it and he asked a couple of questions if anyone's here, if anyone wants to communicate. And we also have this uh, app on the cell phone that supposedly, I don't know the scientific ins and outs of it, but supposedly it taps into this frequency that allows spirits to talk through it. Yeah, and like a chat box or something. Yeah, and they'll say words like, it's a, it's got like a word bank that it could get from, right? So... Um, it, it does communicate in a way and um, it says a few words that like I know you and we're like oh how do you know us and then it's uh, it starts saying like its name and the next thing you know the EMF detector spikes and it gives off a red signal which is the highest it can go it's like EMF 5 it's called and my cousin immediately as it does that he feels like a static energy around his whole body. And it was at the exact moment that the EMF went to five. So that, that kind of solidified like, all right, there's something going on here. All these things to happen at one time is more than a coincidence, considering there was like 20 minutes of nothing, absolutely nothing. And then this happened. So now, now is there any way that this tour group could be doing some shenanigans to kind of like promote the place and create, like so, uh, that, you know, whatever the episodes you're you're experiencing. So I I believe no. There was only three or four of them. Um, two of them left, and then the the third one left later on. 
and they, and so it was essentially only one guy that was in a trailer with a radio in case we needed help or whatever. But it was essentially just that one guy. So okay. no, there was no way. Um, and we had radios that we can communicate with them, and we would hear if he was like close by. You know, it the, there was like a, the doors were open, so there was like a draft coming in, stuff like that. So, but that static couldn't have been done by anybody. Okay. That EMF couldn't have been done by anybody. And the spirit box thing, the little name that popped up and all that, the words that popped up, all that is just too much of a coincidence. So that that's what key number one, that's like episode, um, evidence number one. Evidence number two happened in that same building, but uh, in a different room. So when we started getting this activity, we, you know, kind of walked, wandered around. We split up a little bit and, you know, we're like with our flashlights just trying to look around and just see if we can get any more EMF spikes to get it to go EMF five. It did not. That was the only EMF event the whole night. But what did happen, we have this REM pod. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what a REM pod is, but if not, uh, it is this device that has um, and it kind of like an antenna. And if you make physical contact with this metal antenna, the REM pod, the actual device itself, will either beep and it could possibly light up uh, like with, with an actual light that either flickers based on temperature fluctuations or will just light up in a solid red light with a beep. So, so the, the antenna completes a circuit and tells you that it's touching something or there's something of matter there to make it light up or, or do whatever it's doing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we, obviously we put it in an area that's not anywhere near anything. We don't want anything to come in contact with it unless it's, you know, a spirit, right? So we set it up in the middle of this room and... All of a sudden, when we ask a question, uh, it it starts giving out words that's to say like we're mocking it, like it it, it feels like we're offending it in some way because of the words it was saying. I, I can't remember verbatim, so I apologize, but it's essentially saying like you're mocking us. Uh, you know, turn the camera off, get out, get away. Uh, you're in danger. And it, it said all these things. I remember these keywords. There was more, but these are the essential ones that I remember. And we're like, holy shit, like this is like pretty intense. We're getting a lot of activity on this app. By the way, the app, we had the Wi-Fi turned off, airplane mode on, so the internet can't be affecting it. So it's it's just whatever. I don't know how it works in and out of it, but it's just popping up whatever is being said by the spirit, supposedly. As as we ask it, it's like, do you want us to leave? It said, get out. And then the REM pod went off at the same time. So we're like, okay, we're going to get out. And we just <laughs> left. So that was enough proof for us, right? So we left. Because, uh, by the way, guys, this is like already 50 minutes, almost an hour into the investigation. And those are the only two events, like or two or three events that happened. So it's more than a coincidence is what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, if there was a lot of shit going on, I'd be like, all right, that's kind of weird. Like, either this place is super freaking haunted or, like, something's going on. But, no, it was just a lot of quiet time, and then, bam, it happens. Anyway, we, we check out the cemeteries. Unfortunately, we didn't get too much activity in the cemeteries. We did get a couple words, and uh, it, it looked like we were talking 
to like a, a a nurse that used to work there that passed away from a a disease like uh, maybe tuberculosis I think is what killed a lot of people there and it was saying these words that like were making us think in that direction and we could have sworn we heard someone screaming outside but because we're not completely isolated from like a town cuz we are in like the middle of this huge town that's Obviously, it's more of like an industrial area now. It's not the way it was, but we we are around like some people, you know. But they're not they're not like within like the uh, they're not within like a hundred yards. They're 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 pretty far away, right? So they, uh, for us to hear this this scream, especially through a through a forested area, it, it was just kind of weird, and the, the timing was all weird. So anyway, uh, that was the only experience we really had in the cemeteries. And uh, just to kind of wrap it up, this is the last really big piece of it, of evidence that we have. And, and I, re- I did get this on recording. Um, all this stuff that I'm telling you, I got on recording. So if you later on, I could show you guys the videos and all that um, so you could see. The last thing that happened was probably the most impactful. We went to this building that was um, converted to a museum. And it has the most um, amount of items from the original hospital in that building. So if there's attachments to items, this place is going to have more than likely an item with those kinds of attachments. Um, So the museum is really cool. It's got a bar and all that. And this is where we got the... The uh, the introduction, the tour, and we, we got to see a video about the whole... The, the hospital and all that and the people that started it and the doctor doctor i think zeller that started this so it was a it's a cool location but where this is where we wanted to finish the night so so in the tour were there other people there or was it the whole thing was just for you guys so the whole thing was for us the only people that were there were the people that run the tour that run the place okay cool. and it was one lady that was doing the presentation there was one guy that gave us the actual grand tour and then there was uh one other guy and one other girl. Now, the only one that stayed uh, around was this guy. His, his name is Weapons. He doesn't have an actual, they said, they said, he doesn't have an actual legal name that he wants to go by. So we call him Weapons. And oh, we're just like, so he's like Cher right. or something. Huh? It's just <laughs> one name. <laughs> I guess. He, he's a cool guy, though. He's a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> but he was the only one that was left. And he was in the trailer just in case we needed some help or whatever. And he was on available by radio. So we all got a radio in any way. Um, so you said so, in the museum there was some activity as well? Yeah, so back back to that. We, we set up this REM pod on this table. So it was af- away from anything else. Nothing else could touch it except, you know, if we went and touched it or if a spirit touched it. And then we, we kind of sat far away. We had our EMF detectors out. We had our voice recorders out. And we had the the app thing out. Uh, then they started saying these words that were kind of going back from where it started. It's like, I know you. And we're like, well, how do you know us? And then it said, we're family. And we're like, oh, what do you mean? Like, do you are you family with one of us? Are you meaning that, like, we're all a family under God? Or, uh, you know, we're we're asking questions and trying to get a response. And it starts giving us names and stuff. Um a few of the names matched to names we heard in the first house. So 
that's what was like really bizarre. It was like sticking to these names. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Joanna or something. I, I can't remember the, the exact name. One of them was Reginald. The other one, I, I can't remember. But anyway, um, where it got really heightened, the, the actual most heightened part was towards the end. We uh, heard the piano play. Not like a full song, but like a couple of notes. Like somebody touched the piano. And as this Mel was saying, um, can you show yourself? And he's taking pictures. I saw an orb by him. And the app said orb. And he took a picture. And it took a picture of an orb. A, like it was, he looked at it right in front of him Damn. as he took it. And it was an orb. So I saw it. The app said it. He took a picture and it came out. That was crazy for us. Then the REM pods started going off and we're like, holy fuck. And then we get, we get like nearby and like, are you, we're trying to like EMF detect and, you know, trying to see if there's temperature fluctuations. And then uh, our friend Adam, he starts asking questions and it says again, I know you, we're family. And he's like, well, what's your name? And it says Ronald. And he freezes. He's like, holy shit. So a little bit of a backstory on Adam. So uh, my cousin is Mel and Adam. They are both friends from middle school. And they both lost their fathers at a young age, at around 13 years old. And so Adam, when he heard that name, he froze. And we're like, what's wrong, dude? He's like, I can't believe it. He's like, what? Ronald, that's my dad's name. And we're like, no way, dude. Like, what are the odds that it's going to say that name? We're family. I know you and say Ronald and the REM pods going off and we're not touching it. All that happening at that time. Like that's more than a coincidence, dude. So did you guys pursue that? Did you guys say, oh, well, if you're my dad, you know, tell me my birthday or when's my birthday or nothing like that. You guys didn't pursue it more. I, I asked him because he, he was silent, bro. He's frozen. He was like, holy fuck kind of moment, right? And so we're, me and his mom are like being respectful. We're not really saying much. We're just being quiet. And we're like, he's like, man, what do you, what should I do? I'm like, I said, ask a question, man. He's like, what should I ask? Whatever you want, dude. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to tell him. You know, I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is like real, you know, like this isn't like a fucking episode of some show like this is real life and i'm going through it and i'm like wow dude like this is i don't know i can't explain it bro i can't explain it but uh so he he did ask a couple questions and they kept saying i know you were family and then it said Ber bernice and he's like holy shit that was like another key word his father i guess either his, his uncle or his aunt is bernice his aunt is bernice and was married to his uncle, his dad's brother, I think. Right. And so, so it was. Uh, it was just weird. Ver Vernice had also passed away. So it was just weird, man. The whole. It was just more than a coincidence. And so, just to kind of wrap it up, man. I've been going on about this for a bit. Um, I would do it again. I, I do plan on going out there another time. Maybe not for a couple of years, but we're gonna go to another place that's in Kansas now. That's our next stop. Uh. So maybe, maybe we'll do more of a live stream if I can. I didn't get my camera set up in time that day. I should have taken an SD card. I didn't. I was my mistake. So I, I didn't be I wasn't able to record the whole thing. I only recorded a few key moments 
and uh, I'll be able to show that to you guys. I, I did record that moment with the Ronald situation, so you'll see that too. Nice, nice. Now, it, it, it sounds like you're still excited, so the after, the day after, a week after, whatever, how are you feeling about the experience? I mean, I, obviously it says that you, you want to try it again, so you didn't get spooked like this This uh, fourth member? No, dude. Honestly, the whole time through, everything that happened, I wasn't scared one bit. Um, I did feel sad. There was a moment where... I felt like uh, like emotion out of nowhere, and it was like this, just like uh, kind of hard to put it my like a finger on it, but it was just like a a feeling of like just like overwhelming, yeah, okay. like hopelessness, like because they they were uh, now that I'm remembering more as we're talking about this, some of the other words that came up was we're trapped, it's a prison, help us, all these kind of things to make it seem like they don't want to be there. They want to get out, but they can't, and they don't know how. And so it, it was, like, really just sad, you know? Just, like, if that's if this is proving to me what you did, that there is a life after this, and they feel like it's a prison, man, like, it just, I don't know, sad. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I don't think I would be able to do something like that. But, no, man, kudos to you, man. Hopefully uh, the experience went well for you. Definitely, man. I, I do recommend it. That's a cool place, uh, and they could use the, the assistance. So if people want to do investigations, uh, the Peoria State Mental Asylum, um, I think it's in East Peoria, I believe. Uh, that's a place to go to, man. Sweet. But, yeah, moving on to you, man. So it looks like, uh, oh, yeah, you beat uh, Horizon Forbidden West? Yeah, yeah. I, I finally beat that game. Um, I clocked in 126 hours onto the game. Oh, uh, but yeah, I, I finished it. I um, got a platinum on it, 100% the whole game. So I finished everything on it. So I was, I was really excited to get 100% and get all the trophies on it. It was a really superb game. It was really well done. Graphics, uh, frame rate the story was very intriguing very cool uh, even played the dlc that came out for it uh it expanded it and gave you a few more uh enemies a few more weapons uh, and and gave you some more stuff to do with this uh, expanded map so very cool man I, I i played the first one uh zero dawn that one was very good it was it was surprising for the team gorilla to make it because they're usually known for kill zone so for them to start the, the zero dawn horizon it was really out of left field nobody really expected that out of them out of that team and they did a really good job with that one and this one just went over the top because this was their first game that was uh released on playstation 4 but it also had a playstation 5 variant which improved a bunch of stuff, man. It just made it really awesome. Every time I would look at it, it was just like, I, I can't believe this game exists because uh, just how beautiful it looks. But really cool game. Obviously, from the amount of time I put onto it, I really enjoyed it. It really sucked up every extra moment that I would have where I'm like, I feel like gaming, and that was the game that I booted up. So, yeah, after beating it i 
kind of wanted a like a palate cleanser or something to just kind of chill and relax and nothing really too intensive mind wise so i jumped into uh terminator resistance um and then i ended up beating that one i also planted them that one uh terminator resistance but that one was just more of a mindless shooter you just go around shooting stuff uh, it's kind of like a call of duty first person sort of thing but still pretty cool man it was actually a pretty cool game really nothing too big story-wise it was kind of the typical you know you could tell who's gonna double cross you you could tell who's who's gonna be the love interest and you, you know you could kind of read it a mile away but it was pretty cool but i gotta be honest man after playing horizon and even with this palette cleanser kind of something different horizon uh or a terminator i'm i'm, I'm kind of like not feeling anything else playstation wise or, or even gaming wise um i tried to start up a few games uh I, I wanted to go back to red dead uh revolver which is the first first one uh which came out on playstation 2 and i played like the first two missions and it just wasn't really capturing me and i'm like ah Maybe it's too old and I'm not feeling it because of the clunky controls. Then I uh, booted up this other old game called uh, IQ, which is like this puzzle game. And that one got me hooked a little bit. I was playing a little bit just because it brought back a lot of nostalgia. Um, but the last game that I'm going to try to start next is uh, Devil May Cry 5. Uh, supposedly it's really fun and fanatic, you know, just kind of crazy action. But I'm not sure, man. It might be uh, time to take a break from games for uh, maybe a couple of weeks or a month. It just like binge some TV, which I've been watching a lot of TV too. So uh, probably just get back into more and more of the TVs. Uh, obviously, when I'm not doing uh, family stuff and doing stuff with the wifey and the kids. But um, not really much else. Go ahead, Andy. Real quick, on, on the last episode, Noel was talking about uh, uh, he was video gaming the latest Spider-Man game uh, on the PS5. Is, is, is that right, Noel? Yeah, the 2018, uh, and then I moved over to Miles Morales after beating that one. And then, uh, thank you, he asked me, was the last time I played, uh, or we were talking about like the, the, the last like game. Yeah, right. and I, I go, I was t or the last Spider-Man game, and I go, I remember playing the Spider-Man game that they shipped out that was incomplete for the PlayStation 3. I remember playing a little bit. You remember that game? What was it called? Where you had, like, multiple suits, and then, like, the game didn't have an ending, and they never really... Web of Shadows? Something like that. I, I don't Maybe that's it. It was a, P a PS3 one, if I remember correctly. And uh, there was no real ending to it. The game just, like, stopped working or something once you got to, like, a certain level or whatever. Because they were going to release a patch and all this stuff. Oh, I don't I don't really recall that. But, damn, that was the last time you played a, a Spider-Man. The, the one for PlayStation 4 is actually really, really good. And the patch that they released for PlayStation 5, because I knew you got a PlayStation 5, is really really good man it's got a bunch of ray tracing effects and then the frame weight was boosted up to 60 frames per second so really excellent that first game and the miles morales are both really good showcase playstation 5 games so definitely a, a must look in and they're both pretty cheap i think they're like 20 bucks a pop or something like that 
But yeah. yeah, yeah, man, really good games. Uh, not much else to talk about this week except uh, let's let's jump into our article of the week, man. So, fellas, article of the week is uh, something I found on Fox News. Um, it, it, the headline here is "Wedding Drama Erupts as Bride Explodes When Young Man Wears White." couple no longer speaking so that the married couple are no longer speaking uh i'm not sure if anything's changed the day of this article is august 16 2023 uh the the article kind of goes into like a timeline of everything that happened but i guess this couple they were getting married uh i guess it was explicitly either said or written on the um on the invitations that no white uh in the wedding and from asking my wife, I guess this is a thing, but it's mostly for women, but to not wear white at weddings. But anyways, in the article, it goes into the story. I guess it got brought to her attention or she noticed that there was like a, a kid. I think it was like seven or ten. I forget what the kid's age was. But anyways, he was a young kid. He was wearing white pants and a white bow tie. So the 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 new bride she gets kind of hysterical starts crying runs off to the bathroom the new husband runs off and is like what's the matter and it's just like i can't believe that kid's wearing white it's so disrespectful blah blah, blah. and i guess he consoles her things kind of get chilled out they fix up her makeup she goes back out there and the groom sees uh the new bride talking to the parents of the kid <laughs> and and the groom is just like there's no way that that she's bringing it to their attention hopefully so he decides to walk over there and now it's a whole like you know shouting match i guess between the the parents which is from the groom's side um uh, not the parents of the groom but it's from the groom's side of the family the parents of the kid with the white pants and the the new uh bride and it basically comes down to the bride is like you have to leave the wedding. You have to leave the party, the reception. <laughs> and, and the groom is just like, well, if they're leaving, if my family has to leave, then I'm living with them. And basically, they all left. They all took off. And, and I guess they haven't talked to each other since then. So I, I, I kind of brought this up to my wife. And I'm like, can you believe this? And she's just like, yeah. He's like, I know um, that typically the the unsaid rule is that women are not supposed to wear white because you're not supposed to steal the thunder of the bride it's her day you know it's the bride's day or whatever um so she's just like yeah that's an obvious rule and come to think of it now it's jogging back into my memory there was a wedding that alana was hunting for a dress and we saw one that was like a white black dress and it had uh like half of it was white and half of it was black and she's just like, no, I can't take that to the wedding. And I'm like, why not? It's really nice. It fit her. She looked really nice in it. And she's just like, no, you're not supposed to wear that much white because then you take away from the bride. But yeah, to me, when I saw this article, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, I know, Andy, you just recently got married in, in the last uh, decade or so. Uh, can you believe something like this would happen, man? No, I was kind of shocked at the article. I mean, you know, we all know Bridezilla's. To be honest with you, to me, uh, the wedding, uh, my day, was it's a, it, the lead up to it was exhaustive, exhausting. 
And like, yeah, you have a lot of dumb fights. I didn't know about the whites, the the not wearing white, but the whole day was a blur. I mean, I remember getting up and then just getting ready, and then from the church forward, I don't really recall much. And my wife's like, she don't, she's like shocked. I'm like, yeah, it was a, like a long freaking day. And then uh, there was a lot of rules, you know, the, especially we had a Catholic wedding and all that, and uh, Mexican wedding. And <clears throat> there's a lot of like little traditions, but I didn't know about the the white at all. <laughs> she goes and talks to him like, get out of here, beat it. I was shocked about that. But it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of people on both sides and all the families. And, um, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it's uh, it's a long freaking day and a lot of rules and a lot of traditions, uh, depending on your culture and heritage. So I, I, I I'm. Yeah, I, but to kick somebody out of your wedding for that, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a little excessive, I think, personally. Yeah, and I, I guess they the other part of this article is they went to Reddit with a lot of this yeah. stuff to yeah. kind of get the feel of the community and uh, people at large. And there, it's split, man. There's a lot of people that are like, no, she was within her right. It's it's a wedding rule. You're not supposed to wear white. And then there's some people that are like, yes, she's within her right, or at least it's within sensible that nobody should wear white. But it's a little kid. And they he doesn't know any better than the little kid, but yeah. then it also comes back to the parents. The parents should have should have known better and been like, no, you can't wear that. You got to wear something else. So, uh, what are your thoughts, Noel? Can you believe? Uh, and if your wife would to present you with this, would you kick out your cousin? Let's say because their kid was wearing white. Oh man, that's you know. I, I think a lot of it would depend on what if it was intentional. Did they do it as a power move? Like, what are right. you going to do about this? Uh, nothing, or like, you know, if that if it's that, or if it was an honest mistake. But man, like, I think it was it, a power move. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, so do I, man. I get that feeling like, they did that uh, on purpose. Yeah, because that's what it it seems like. Now, did she, you know, maybe react a little bit crazy? You know, as a bridezilla, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they both dodged a bullet and maybe they weren't meant for each other because this happened. But um, if if I was in that position and my my wife to be is truly like not liking this is going on and she comes at it with a respectful way, I'll let her know, be like, hey, let me handle it. Let me see what I can do. And I'll go to them, the the people that are in my family, and I'll respectfully ask them. I'll be like, "Hey, is there any way that you know you can get a change of pants or whatever?" It's not a good way to start your marriage, bro. I just just I'm letting you know. I think Dan can back me up on that one. Well, Andy, t- to be honest, at, at a time of your wedding, how many times did you and, and me as well did not try to ease your bride? And give her what she wanted. Like, no, I want it like this. And be like, all right, whatever you want. It's fine. I don't care. So there is a part of appeasing your bride at in that day. So I could understand, you know, no, I don't want that. He's not supposed to be wearing white. And then you'd be like, 
okay, let me go try to talk to them. So I could understand that. Yeah, and honestly, there's a lot left out. We don't have all the context. Like, we we don't know if she was truly a bridezilla. Was she, like, angry the whole time of the arrangement of the wedding? Was she like, this has to be this? Was she yelling at people? Or is she yelling at the wait staff and all that? Or, or, Or is she really nice? And this was the one thing that, like, you know, ticked her off. Like, is this the only time she's speaking up? That says a lot, because if that's, out, that uh, is, and I'm like, all right, you know. It's take a it accumulation seriously. of things. Uh, I went to a wedding about a year ago, um, and uh, it was one of my wife's friends. And knowing them for how long I'd known them, uh, one person was, like, a little bit more frugal, and the other person was just balls to the wall, like, let's make it, like, let's make it pop. And... There was a lot. My wife would tell me like, "Oh, I guess who called? She called me. They're arguing about the the wedding and about money. And like the biggest thing was like what to have and what and what to have and whatnot. And then the big thing, they're uh, a mixed couple. One was Hispanic. The other person was American. Um, and <laughs> there was a lot of fight. The only thing where I found kind of weird was uh." uh it was the, the reception was nice but the the rehearsal dinner you know you, you do a, you have a rehearsal then the dinner they want the one person wanted like this balls out like we're gonna rent a hall and do all this shit for the rehearsal dinner and the other one was like nah man, i ain't doing that i'm gonna just order take out and have them come back to the house apparently it turned into like a big argument and they went back everybody went back to the house and like um one person was visibly upset at what i remember but but that's what i'm talking about like you get into arguments about that but i never that's usually before the wedding there's a ton of fights or a lot of right yeah no i'm sure i mean because i mean even at your wedding i'm sure those things that you were indifferent about and you just told your wife yeah do what you want to do and she wanted it a certain way and you're just like whatever but not because you don't care but just because you want to try to get your bride the day that she wants right no i mean it is like i said weddings are stressful and like we had a friend that eloped i think he probably did the best thing and then all our other friends uh in our group our circle i mean they all had somewhat big weddings or they had a wedding um and we had the one friend that eloped, and uh, yeah, man, it's stressful. <laughs> and I'm the I was probably the last one to get married. Yeah, it was fucking stressful. Uh, money, and then making it, trying to make everyone happy, and then, uh, but I after we got married, that the reception, and we were happy because I think we were more happy because it was over, and the only concern was. Uh, you know the bar shutting down should i pay to keep it going and then the other big stressful was the dj we found the last minute dj that that was like a whole another fucking thing but um other than that i mean we we loved it yeah i i think like you said it's most of the time for the people getting married it's a blur because it's just like a bunch of go here do this go here do this go here and it's like yeah. yeah so it doesn't stop 
I remember uh, to to your point, Andy. I, when I first walked into the reception hall, it was a really beautiful hall. My mother-in-law uh, did most of the uh, arrangements to get it, and I glanced over to the left, and I didn't know we were going to have it, but we had a dessert bar with a bunch of like fresh fruits and stuff like that. And I was, you know, I love fruit, and at the time I was in diet. There, I don't remember. Yeah, it was like a big fruit. I mean, they had chocolates and other stuff, but that stuff doesn't really call to me. But they had like pineapple and strawberries and watermelons and a bunch of other stuff. And I was just like, yes, man, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to I'm gonna handle business and take care, you know, eat some of that fruit. And, dude, the wedding was so much go here, go here, go here. Mm-hmm. I didn't even eat my food because it's halfway through my plate as I'm eating. They're like, oh, you got to go cut the cake. Oh, and then it's the first dance. Oh, and then it's the first this. And then it's going to go do a kiss. And let's go take a picture over here. And then we got to open up the photo booth. And then it was just like, and then, and then when I came back, my plate was gone. So I'm just like, shit, man, I don't even get to finish my food. So um, no regrets. I, I had yeah, a great I time. But it's it's like you said, it's it's chaotic. I didn't even have taste the cake. Uh, we had, um, my wife had these special mech bites, like, macaroni bites made up and everybody was talking about how amazing they were i didn't fucking try that i think i barely had my steak and then before that you just like you said you're just running around and um and then like at the end of the night you're just like i'm you're you're fucking exhausted (laughs) yeah so and hopefully uh you know people out there people that are getting married you know Gauge yourself, man. I to me, I, I probably wouldn't have recommended spending as much money as we did. I, I would have much rather kept that in the bank. But it was an awesome time, and I'm sure uh, the families, the people that get invited, they don't they don't mind getting to have all the the drinks and the food that they did. So I like being invited to weddings much more than throwing the wedding. So <laughs> I, I, that is more fun. Go. And get blasted and and just eat all you can eat yeah man um well we'll see what happens to that couple but definitely agree that yeah it's probably going to be less chaotic just going to a wedding than it is to throw one for sure yeah that's why i'm in no rush no rush on this end but when that time comes I'm, I'm sure i'll make it through just like you guys did but uh everybody that wraps things up for today want to say thank you very much for joining us here at freeform network if you're not already, please follow us on Twitter at FFR Podcast. And if you have any questions or suggestions, the email for that is FFNQuestions at gmail.com. From Freeform Radio, my name is Noel, and we have Daniel. Yes, sir, man. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. I'm going to see what I can heat up, man, to eat. For sure. We also got Andy. It's all good, Andy. And that Spider-Man game, uh, real quick, was Shattered Dimensions. Ah, so, Shattered that, Dimensions. You didn't like it, huh? Yeah, because it didn't have an ending or something to that effect. And I remember you were able to play three different Spider-Mans or four or something. And, uh, yeah, I, that, that was the game. I think that was the last Spider-Man game I played. But uh, let us know what you guys think, uh, but we'll check you out next week. All right, everybody. Take care and be safe.
That was cool, Dad.